0: Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Title today: Hitting the Wall. Cosmic Conflict, Part One. We're going to look at Mark 9:14-29. Have you ever hit the wall? <laughs> If you're breathing, you've probably hit it many times, right? You, we, we run into a challenge that we just don't have an answer for. We run out of gas spiritually, no energy. We just can't move forward spiritually. We're just completely stuck. We, maybe you're facing that crisis of faith right now. Maybe you're crashing right now as we speak. Most of us are shaking our head, right? We're crashing. Maybe the spiritual airbags have already deployed. You're sitting here with the spiritual airbags already deployed. Today we're going to look at a story of a man who's facing an impossible wall in his life. And I think it has a lot to say about the struggles that we face. I'm going to start off with a video. This is the Luke version, and then I'll read to you the Mark version in just a minute. Teacher, teacher, I beg you look upon my son. Please, please help him. For he's my only child. I begged your disciples to cast it out. But they could not. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, that was a parallel passage from Luke, but we're going to look at Mark today. But before we read it, let me pray. Father, we just ask for extra mercy and extra grace this morning. We may not be facing demon possession, although we might be. But Lord, whatever wall we're facing, whatever struggle we're facing, we just ask for extra mercy and extra grace. An extra faith to face this. We pray that your word would speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's pick this up. It's, uh, anybody who thinks the Bible is boring has never read the Bible, obviously. Let's pick it up here in Mark chapter 9, as you saw from that DVD. It's not boring. Uh, verse 14, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd gathered around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. "'What are you arguing with him about?' he asked. A man in the crowd answered, "'Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not.' Oh, unbelieving generation,' Jesus replied. "'How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you?' Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus and immediately threw the boy into a convulsion, he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. "It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, This kind can come out only by prayer. Okay, so, the cosmic conflict, part one. We're only going to do part of this passage today. There's just too much good stuff here. We're going to do part two next week, so don't, don't miss next week. But remember, one of the main themes in Mark is the cosmic conflict. It's the spiritual warfare that we are all facing in this life. And we've been looking at the power of Jesus Christ here in Mark 9, and we already saw his power shown by the transfiguration. All right, that's showing his power. And now he comes off of the mountain, and we see his power again now, his power over demons. And it's because what Mark is trying to show us all is we are in a spiritual war. We are in a spiritual war, every one of us, and this gives us a glimpse of the war that we are in. It's all through the Bible, from Genesis through Revelation, we see the spiritual war. We see the battle between good and evil, between, between God and, and Satan and the, and the fallen angels. We see this all the way through. The only question we have, because it's there, the only question we have is, will we fight with God's power or will we be POWs, will we be prisoners of war? That's the only question. Are we going to be prisoners or are we going to fight? So let's pick it up here. I to, Like I said, we're going to come back to a lot of this next week, but let's start with 17 here. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnash, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. So the father has a son who has apparent epilepsy, right? This is really what it looks like, uh, but it's really a demon. Now, all sickness is demonic, but some is, whether it's physical or mental illness, some is, and this definitely was demonic, okay? Verses 20 to 21, we pick it up there where he says, so they brought him when the spirit saw Jesus it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. He freaks out the demon when it comes into Jesus' presence. He freaks out when he sees Jesus because they know who he is and why he's there. Something the Pharisees missed, the demons understood immediately. They knew who he is and why he's there. Remember back in Mark chapter 5, when we looked at Mark chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Remember the the demoniac, what happened? He says, when when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me, for Jesus has said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. The demons know who Jesus is and why He's there, and they know what the effect of His coming is going to be—torture for them. They know that when you, whenever you face someone who's demon possessed and you're dealing with that, the, the one of the—it's just amazing when you use the name of Jesus Christ. It's like pouring acid on on them. They freak out. They can't stand. They hear the name of Jesus Christ. It's, it's too powerful for them. And this boy has been like this from childhood. The demon has often tried to kill him. Learn something from that. There's a lot packed into that. The demon often tried to kill him. Learn something from this. Satan is not our friend. He's not our friend. His goal is to kill us. That's his goal. He wants to kill us physically and spiritually. He hates us because we have been made in God's image. He hates us. And he wants us to spend eternity in hell with him. That is his goal for our life. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Satan is blinded and wants to keep us blind, spiritually blind. That's his goal to keep us from coming to the gospel, to keep us from hearing about Jesus Christ and how he died for our sins and, and, and paid for our sins so that we can receive forgiveness and have a relationship with God once again. He's trying to keep us from having a relationship with God. That's his whole goal. But if we slip through his fingers, we become Christians, we slip through his fingers, then he tries to keep us from living it. To to keep us from becoming like Jesus Christ. And to keep us from sharing that good news. That's his goal. Any way that he can knock us off track and keep us from living out the, the, the gospel or sharing it with other people, that's what he does. He knows every trick in the book. And there's a twisted thinking. Satan wants to kill us. There's this twisted thinking out there that it's really delusional that God is out there trying to keep us from having fun. Some of you may feel that way yourself. God is out there trying to keep us from having fun, and Satan and sin is real, the real fun... But uh, God, you know, it's really more fun what Satan offers us with sin. But it, we have to grit our teeth and do what God says because God's got all these rules. We've got to grit our teeth and follow him. And uh, that's so that's twisted thinking out there. And we think that often teenagers think the same thing about their parents. Parents are party poopers. They're trying to get us to do what God wants. And, and they're, they don't understand. Our friends know what real fun is. And we fo- want to follow our friends and do what our friends are doing because they're having so much fun. Parents are just party poopers. Well, let me assure you, if you're a young person here today, when life crashes, and it will, your friends won't be the ones visiting you in the hospital. Your friends won't be the ones driving you to rehab. Your friends won't be the ones opening up their house to you, taking you in when no one else will take you in because you have nowhere else to go. Trust me about that. It's those party-pooping parents and that's why they don't want you to mess up, because they don't want you moving back in. But what's Satan, it's a delusion though. Satan uses sin as a lure, but it's a lie. He says, this is going to thrill, and it's a real short-term thrill. Sure, it's a little bit of a, you know, the endorphins kick to the brain, right? And, and, and he says, but it's going to fulfill you, but it really kills. It doesn't thrill, it doesn't fulfill, it kills that's what sin does. It's a lie. It's like the lure that you go fishing with, and you catch that fish that looks good, and the fish is now in the frying pan, right? That's what it does. And Satan says, be true to yourself. Express yourself. Follow your feelings. Follow your heart. It even starts in the Disney movies, right? Follow your heart. Well, you know, the Bible has something to say about our hearts. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There's a way that seems right to a man, But in the end, it leads to death. Our hearts are darkened. Our minds are darkened. We need God's word. We need the Holy Spirit. We need our faith to show us how to live and to find true fulfillment. Satan's goal for our life is summed up in John 10.10. In John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Satan's goal for your life and this includes sin, that goes along with it, is to steal. He wants to steal our joy, our peace, our purpose. He wants to kill. He wants to kill us spiritually and physically. He wants to destroy. He wants to destroy your life, your potential, your marriage, your family. That's what he wants to do. God wants to give us life. Real life. Full life. And those rules are not meant to keep us from having fun. They're to keep us from falling to Satan's lies so that we can have true fun, true fulfillment. And it's vital to remember this when we're facing temptations, when we're battling sin and and stronghold. It's really important to remember the effect of what Satan wants to do to us. The father understood this very clearly. He knew exactly. Imagine this father's pain to see his son tortured. And look what he says. He says to Jesus, if you can, take pity on us and help us. Verses 23 to 24 shows what happens here. Jesus said, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. If you can. Everything is possible for him who believes, Jesus says. Everything is possible for him who believes. It's not a question of Jesus having power. It's a question about us having faith. The power is not the issue. It's our faith. And I, and I, but I do want to mention something here. That, that's the Word of Faith movement. There's this false teaching out there called the Word of Faith movement where you name it and you claim it. If you just have faith, you can have whatever you want. And you just basically create your own reality and whatever you want. Health, wealth, prosperity. And these guys are on TV teaching all the time. You can recognize them. They have the fancy suits and the... Big golden pinky rings and they have their own private jets. and Well, they've claimed it, right? But it's a false teaching that they're teaching. It's a false teaching. Our prayers still need to be spirit-led. And God's will and purpose have to be taken into consideration. But this was obviously God's will to heal this boy. In the Father's response, though, Jesus says, If you can, everything is possible for him who believes. In the Father's response... Is I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Write this down. Take that statement and write it down. Memorize it. Put it on a yellow sticky and put it somewhere you're going to see it. Put it on your phone and every time you open your phone, have it flash out at you. Put it on your computer screen. Put it where, tattoo it. I don't have big on tattoos, but if you're going to get a tattoo, this is the one to get. I do believe, overcome my unbelief. This is what we need to pray every day, every hour, every minute. Every time we face a challenge in our life, this prayer sums it all up. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Powerful. This father had doubts. Didn't he? He had doubts. Not really a lot of faith, in a sense. But it was enough. How do we know that? Because Jesus healed his son. Our faith will never be perfect. Doubt and faith always are mixed together. You want proof? Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. You've heard of the hall of fame? Well, this is the hall of faith. Hall of fame for people with faith. In Hebrews 11, verses 32 to 34, let me just read you something that is shocking. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Look at that list. There's a lot of other names in Hebrews 11, but look at that list. I, I remember reading it the first time saying, what? They're in the hall of faith. Uh, Gideon? He tested God. G- God, I don't know if I want to go fight. You've got to prove to me I'm going to win. You Remember the fleece and the test that he did? You know, he, he tested God. He didn't have, that wasn't faith. Barak? God told him to go defeat the enemy, and he said, I'm scared. So if you let this woman, God had to send a woman along to hold his hand to take him into battle. Deborah had to go along with him. Samson? That's faith? He was completely conquered by his lusts. Destroyed and blinded and weakened by his lusts. But he managed to kill quite a few Philistines in the process, didn't he? Jephthah? impulsive Jephthah? Ended up sacrificing his own daughter. What a twisted, what that guy's faith. David? Did you ever hear of Bathsheba? And he faked insanity because he had so much faith, he was afraid he was going to be killed. Samuel, the absentee father, whose sons turned out rotten, you know, uh, and the prophets. I mean, these guys. But look down there where it says, whose weakness was turned to strength, whose weakness was turned to strength. Here they are in the hall of faith. Be encouraged. There's hope for all of us, isn't there? That's why they're there. There's hope for us. Doubt is not the enemy of faith. Understand something. Doubt is not the enemy of faith. It's what grows our faith. If, if we turn to God's word for answers. If we, if it drives us to our knees and to Jesus for grace and our weakness, if it drives us to our knees and to Jesus for grace and our weakness, then we will see God's power in our life, and our faith will grow through every trial that we face. You think this Father's faith was built up? And look what happened as a result of the Father's imperfect faith. Verses 25 to 27. He, Jesus calls him a deaf and mute spirit. That's probably not his name, but what he was doing to the boy—that's a description of what he's doing to the boy. He says, "Come out and never enter him again." He gives him the demon. Gives him one last intense convulsion. They thought he was dead, but Jesus takes him by the hand and lifted him up. It's a beautiful picture. This is a beautiful picture of what Jesus does for each one of us. We are under Satan's power. We are spiritually dead. We're dead in our sins. But Jesus sets us free and lifts us up. He gives us new life with his power through his Holy Spirit's power. That's what Jesus does to us. It's a picture. Do you have that freedom today? Have you been made alive? Have you been set free to live a new life in Jesus Christ? You can have that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Have you put your faith in Him. You don't have to answer every question. If you're and you're not a Christian yet and you're wrestling with all this, this teaches us something. You don't have to answer every question, every doubt before putting your faith in Jesus Christ. You don't have to do that. There are some things you will never understand doesn't matter if you're a Christian for 50 years. It doesn't, there's some things we will never understand this side of heaven. We're never going to understand. We're going to struggle with it. But we have to have childlike faith. That's all we have to have. We just have to have childlike faith, putting our faith in Jesus. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. We don't have to answer all those questions. Before you put your faith in Christ, you don't have to answer every question. You just have to reach out and take Jesus Christ's hand, putting your faith in him, trusting him. And then after we're saved by faith, what does Jesus say? We have to live by faith. We're saved by faith. You may be a Christian, but now we have to make the decision to live by faith. And we're still going to struggle with doubts, Right? But remember the dad's prayer. It's a daily prayer. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. We 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 have to remember, okay, I have a little faith here for salvation. I put my faith in Jesus. Now I have to trust God and obey him over here, living it. I had enough faith to put my to reach out to Jesus and put my faith in him. But now with life's struggles and the struggles that I'm going through, I'm gonna have to Trust him over here, too. And many of us are battling strongholds continuously, right? Maybe you're battling a stronghold right now. Buying Satan's lie in some way, in some area of life. Or maybe you've hit a wall spiritually. Maybe you've hit a wall in your marriage or, or you're with your kids or with your job or with temptation or with sickness. Maybe you're facing the impossible. But like Jesus said, everything is possible if we believe. Now having said that, there's a little important piece here. There's an important piece here that it's just because we have faith and pray for something and believe it, doesn't mean, doesn't mean that we're not going to uh, uh, struggle with that anymore. Doesn't mean that God's going to just do whatever we want. Because his answer might be exactly what we hope. But it might be something that we wouldn't plan out and script out for ourselves. It might be that he gives us the grace to live with a challenge. That might meet what he gives us. It may be he may have a purpose for what he has put in our life. Remember Paul's thorn in the, the humbling and keeping us dependent. The, the, the challenge... May not change, but God may use that challenge to change our heart. We don't know how he's going to work. We don't know how he's going to work. How is God speaking to us this morning? How is he speaking to us? Next week, we're going to look at breaking through the wall. How to break through the wall. But today, it's, the focus is hitting the wall. Hitting the wall. And I want to encourage everyone to to take this verse and to pray through it. To just make this the prayer of our heart. To prepare us for understanding how to really break through the wall. The starting point is the attitude. I do believe. uh, the, The prayerful attitude. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. And there's a power in that faith. We have a spiritual power that is just unbelievable. That it's, it's hard to even understand the, the power we have in the name of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. I remember once being called to minister. And pastors called and, and, and asked me to come and uh, help deal with an issue. And they called me to come minister. And I got to the house And I opened the door to come into the house. One of the pastors met me said, it's a hot one. And I hear screaming from the kitchen. Around The guy didn't even see me, but I could hear the screaming, a demon screaming. Get out of here, Wilson. Chuck Wilson, if you come into this house, we'll kill you. If you come in, we'll kill you. We'll kill your family. Don't walk through that door. Talk about Satan wanting to kill us. That's what he wants to do. And I prayerfully walked in. And I walk in. And and there's this guy who I knew. Under tremendous demonic possession. Crouched on the floor of the kitchen. Silverware scattered everywhere. He had pulled the drawers out. And just they had them locked in. And and he just was like vicious. And he said, I'll kill you. And he picked up a knife. He said, I'm going to kill you. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ dropped the knife, and freeze to the floor. And it was like he was shot with a bullet. Just dropped to the floor, dropped the knife, dropped to the floor. This guy was bleeding, just like you saw in the movie. And through the power of Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ, that man was freed that night. But I saw Satan wants to kill us. But the same thing that that man was experiencing—it was the attack we experience constantly. We may not be possessed, but we're attacked constantly, aren't we? And some of us may go through some very serious attacks. But that same power—the same attack—is there, but the same power. That Jesus used to cast out that demon is in us today. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. And you have the name of Jesus Christ to fight this battle. And you're going to need it. Because Satan doesn't always just show himself. He, likes Steve Rush, rather hide himself and, and attack us. And we're going to have to be ready with that power and the reality of the spiritual war we're in. And we're going to have to fight this battle. And we're going to have to help other people fight this battle. What spiritual battle are you fighting this morning as we go to this time of prayer? Maybe you're not a Christian yet. You're still under Satan's power. You're still in bondage to sin. You don't have a relationship with God as your father. You know he's out there, but you don't have a relationship with him yet. But you can have that today. You can be set free this morning. Right now. Instead of Satan's power, you can have the Holy Spirit's power. Instead of sin, you can have forgiveness. Instead of darkness, you can have light. Instead of shame, you can have joy and freedom by turning to Jesus and saying, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You might have doubts. You might have fears. You might have all kinds. But all you have to do is reach out and take Jesus' hand Let him lift you up. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I don't want to sin anymore. I repent of it. I, I don't want it. I want you to forgive me, God. I put my faith in Jesus. I want a new life in Jesus. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. If you've prayed that prayer and reached out for Jesus' hand, you are now alive in Jesus Christ. You have now been forgiven for every sin you've ever done or ever will do. You are now freed of Satan's power. You can now fight back. You're not a prisoner of war anymore. You can can fight as a soldier. You have a brand new life in Jesus Christ. Tell someone. I want to encourage you, before you walk out of here, let somebody know. Tell me, tell a friend, Tell a family member, fill out the card, stick it in the box. Let somebody know so that we can help you in your new life in Jesus Christ. Be excited for you and help you. For those of us who've already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe Satan has distracted us. Has neutralized us. Is keeping us from living the Christian life or becoming like Christ or sharing Jesus with others who are in bondage. Remember if Satan can't keep us in bondage, he doesn't, he doesn't want to let us help anyone else find freedom. Maybe there's a stronghold in our life that we've given up on. We said, this is just too strong for God to help me. It's too strong for me. That's a lie. The truth is what Jesus said. Everything is possible for him who believes. We just need to say, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. What area of our life do we need to pray that prayer for? Do we need to turn to Christ and to live by faith in spite of the doubts, in spite of the struggles, in spite of how many times we've fallen on our face? I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Father, we pray that this would be seared into our minds, burned into our hearts, the prayer of this desperate father so that when we face our desperate moments, our struggles, we would pray the same prayer and see the same result, your mercy and grace in our life. Lord, I pray you give us hope this morning. Whatever we're facing, whatever we're struggling with, whatever we've been defeated by, I pray you would give us hope. Hope to continue the battle. Hope to stay on our guard against Satan's attacks. Hope that no matter what we are seeing happen in our life or someone else's life, that they can have freedom in Jesus Christ. Use us to free others. But Lord, most important for a starting point, Help us find our freedom in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.